Hello, welcome to another episode of Papa Bear Hikes. Two years ago, when our worlds were turned upside down, and in many cases, brought to a standstill because of the outbreak of COVID-19, many of us found ways to get outside. We took up new hobbies. Some of us got back into bicycling, backpacking, hiking, canoeing. Today's guest got outside. Well, he influenced other people to get outside by doing something unique. He's a comedian, and he took his art form to the outdoors. He's the star and director of the comedy special, Something From Nothing. I met today's guest while at one of his shows. So entertained and so moved by his story about what he did during the pandemic that I really wanted to have him on the podcast to talk to him. Jay Nog, welcome to Papa Bear Hikes. Thanks for having me on. Um, pre- I've never done a, a podcast um, about the outdoors, so this is the first. I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never sat in the front row of a comedy special, and uh, <laughs> 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 and you made me, now I know, to stick to my guns and don't do that. <laughs> it was fun. I had a good time, and yeah, it was a great show. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Appreciate that. It was a fun, uh, fun night that night. Jay, you talked about how during the pandemic, you had this stage that you took out because we, we all associate comedy with indoor venues, right? We go to clubs at night pretty much and with our friends or family, have a few drinks and listen to comedians. That wasn't happening during the pandemic. You took it in a different direction. You had this stage that you brought out and started comedy shows in the outdoors during the pandemic. Could you tell us a little about that? Yeah, my last weekend on the road was March it was 13th or something, 2020. And I was coming in Michigan and the shows were social distance when I was there. They canceled Michigan schools when I was there and um, shows were lightly attended. They had everybody spread out all over the place. And I got home and that's when everything started to fall apart. All my, every weekend started getting canceled for the road. Every um, club started closing in New York city and we were put on the shelf for a few months. And after a couple of months went by, I saw one night I was on Facebook or something, and I saw there was a rave in Germany at a drive-in movie theater. And I said, I said, why can't we do that? And I contacted about 15 drive-in movie theaters within three hours driving from New York City. And we actually did one at a Four Brothers Drive-In, which is a great drive-in movie. I just think we did it wrong and it wasn't advertised correctly and it was a shit show as a, if i may say so literally they were telling us that their their driving was packed every single night when we were there 12 cars um <laughs> it was uh it was awful it, it was an awful <laughs> it was i mean bombing in a club is bad but bombing in, in a giant field while bugs are attacking it was even worse and it was it was really bad and i and we just said you know what maybe this is not meant to be and about a week or so later i saw that bel air diner was doing drive-in movies in astoria queens and i thought well this is the city there's nothing open in the city. People are hungry for entertainment. I called the guy up and I said, just give me any night. Give me any time, any night. Just let's do it. First show is at 6 p.m. on a Tuesday. We were on the back of a pickup truck doing stand-up. They had the speakers tied in just like a drive-in. A few-second delay, two people's cars. 
And it was weird because you deliver a punchline. And then a few seconds later, you would hear honks or see like people's flashing, but you heard no laughs. And I had some of the best talent in New York City on that show. And people were struggling to do 12 minute sets, 15 minute sets, because no one has been on stage. And I think it was almost three months at that point. It was beginning of March. Our show was like, I think, in the middle to the end of May, right before Memorial Day weekend. So comics weren't on stage for eight to 10 weeks. And, but it was successful and people were only in their cars and everyone had a great time. We had about 50 cars in the parking lot. And then we decided to do it more and more at this venue to the point where it became social distance outside where we were having, you know, 20 cars and, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30 to 50 people sitting outside social distance. And we ran that show for, a good six months consistently where we're doing some times we're doing, you know, two to three shows a week. We're doing one during the week and two on the weekends. We did a black lives matter um, fundraiser shows on a Saturday. Um, so it, it was really successful, but it was, it was crazy where just people in cars, it was hard to, there was no timing. And then once there was like, even like, the first time we had people outside of like 10 people outside, you were like, all right, I can time my jokes to like getting even like a few laughs. And then you're like getting the rhythm, but it was, um, it was an experience. It was wild. And we were the only show in New York city at that time. And then people started doing rooftop shows and people started doing shows in the parks and people started to kind of catch on to getting around the whole COVID protocols. But we were the first uh, show in New York city for a few weeks. It was pretty wild. So instead of being shut out, put out of business for a while, you said, right, we can do this outdoors. Now, comedy is an interactive art form. I, you know, I've, I love going to comedy shows. So I'd imagine it would have to have been, there had to have been some sort of learning curve there. And I'm going to tell you, when I was watching the scenes from your movie about the drive-in movie theater, a movie, and I said, these guys are telling funny jokes. It's funny, but I could feel the pain. You guys are saying these, but you're not getting any response to it. So there must have been yeah. a learning curve there to how to get a synchronization going there with your audience. When it was just cars, it was wild because it came in on a delay, like two to three seconds. So you would deliver your joke, but then you would see people in the car and you see them be like, you know, you'd see the energy and then people would flick their lights at you. The honking happened in the first show and then the cops are called by local people in Astoria. So the honking had to stop. So people will flash their brights. Some people like open their sunroofs and sit outside their sunroofs. Some people, you know, had convertibles. So, um, you know, some people opened the back of their Jeeps and sat in their cars that way just to try to make the show better for the comics. But the first few was just cars where you couldn't hear. So you were, it was cool to be on stage again. And like any kind of show, if you're doing a show in a laundromat versus doing a theater versus doing a club versus doing a bar show, you, you kind of play each show differently, but no one was ever thrown to the fire of not hearing the laughs, not hearing the uh, immediate feedback. That's stand-up comedy is. You immediately know if that joke was funny or not. And that was tough on a lot of the comics. And I know in the, in the film, people commented on that where it's like they first just played to the cars. And then, you know, once there are people outside, you played to the people and then the cars enjoyed it because they were, you know, you couldn't hear their laugh. So you timed it on the people outside, but it was definitely a learning curve, but people were appreciative because I was, I had a paid show and I was paying comics weekend club spot pay during the week or even on the weekend. So at least comics were 
um, getting paid spot pay. And I was just showing my love to as many comics as I could just so people felt regular. And I had comics tell me like, I, you know, I haven't been on stage in three months, some people four months, you know, cause we had the show running from May until I think around Halloween. And then we started doing like one-offs here and there. Um, and then it kind of, you know, things started to open up inside and, you know, we lost steam on it, but for six months we were like the hot show in town and people were so appreciative because so many people didn't, you know, have that outlet, you know, people were doing podcasts, we were doing zoom shows, but not in front of people. So it was, um, it was just cool to see the smile on people's faces. And some people have to show like, Oh, I'm, I'm so hyped right now. And even though it was this kind of atmosphere, um, you saw that people were appreciative of it. Everyone really enjoyed themselves and, um, it was just a very positive space. Yeah. It seemed like a very mutually beneficial situation you know, The comics. You guys are entertainers. You're doing something you love doing and you did it at a time when people really could use a laugh. Oh yeah. So I, I, I'm watching, sure. I'm thinking, wow, everybody's benefiting from this. The people are doing something they love doing. Because no matter what you perform, if you're a musician or you're a theater actor, you do it because you love it. You're helping your community out, the people you, your fellow performers. But the people that were going to the shows, like I said, that was at a time when we all could use a laugh. Oh, yeah. I mean, some people haven't been out of their houses in three, four months. And they were just like, this is the first thing I've done. And it was a safe way to do it because they were in the space of their own car. Bel Air Diner was delivering food to people's cars and, you know, to go. So um, they were able to eat in their cars, have a meal and also enjoy a show. And they felt safe doing it, which, which was great for everyone. Yeah, I thought it was so cool that Bel Air Diner was just so it seemed like they were just so willing and ex- excited to be a part of it. Yeah, Cal and uh, the crew over there. I mean, I haven't seen them in probably a year, um, but they they kept stand-up comedy alive in the city. And you got to give them credit to taking a chance because they were packing out their driving movies. Their driving movies were um, sold out every single time. And to take a chance on some other type of entertainment, not knowing how you know uh, people were going to react to it, um, was really cool on their part. And, and we documented every single show. Um, once I started, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but we had a videographer come down every single show. We interviewed comedians, interviewed uh, people in the crowd, taped every single show. And I had no clue what I was going to do with it, but I was like, this is a timestamp in history that hopefully will never happen again. So I might as well capture it. Yeah. When I was watching it, I've watched it twice, but this last time I watched it so I could take notes for the interview. That's exactly how I saw it, Jay, is this is a, a snap. This is for future generations to look at this, this and say, this is what was going on during the pandemic. You started mm-hmm. this. Let's face it. When the shit hit the fan, that moment, because I remember it was March when it seemed like everything was being turned upside down. The world didn't know how to handle this, or how to deal with it. We had never seen anything like it. Our grandchildren are going to be able to watch something like your special and say, wow, okay, so that was, that's what it was going. That's what was going on. That's how bad things were. Yeah, it's um, it was a lot of hours um, going through, you know, hundreds of hours of footage. You know, we did it for six months, sometimes three times a week and just having, you know, great comedians, a part of it from, you know, Rich Voss to Mike Vecchione to Joe List to Mark Norman to Joe Matarese to um, 
you know, countless names in comedy who Jared Freed, you know, big names, headliners from all over the country. David Tell, he was in it for like a split second in a, in a shot, but he kind of just wanted like David Tell. He, he did it one night and was just like, I don't want to get paid. Give my pay to the rest of the comics. So he is like a true just gentleman and you know, he didn't have to come down and do the show in the middle of a parking lot, but he, he heard about it and was like, let me, let me do this. So it was, it was just neat to have so many giant comics who didn't think they were too good for the show to come down and perform and be a part of it. And people who did the interviews for it and were featured in the film and, you know, getting the waivers signed by people, whereas I thought chasing down comics was going to be such a pain in the ass and everyone was just more than willing to, you know, help put this together and help me promote it and plug it. So it was, it was really awesome from all the hard work that went into it and comics really not having a short term memory and not being so selfish where, you know, being a comedian, you're, you're, you're selfish, you know, it's, it's all about you. And um, for everyone to remember, you know, they, everyone went back to regular life, you know, or, or regular working at least. And to remember, like, I remember, you know, I had no spots and, you know, Jay reached out to me and put me on that show. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was just really cool. And putting the whole thing together, just, I mean, I helped shoot it. I helped edited probably 80, 85% of it. I got two other editors that came on, uh, Mike Merrifield and Dan Hershon. But, um, it was a, a lot of, I've never, shot performed in it edited i had it you know directed had a you know a hand in all of it and to see it through and then have comedy dynamics pick it up and and release it um it's pretty rewarding and just cool that people can look back in 20 years from now and actually see a film that was a timestamp on the pandemic and how comedians were dealing with it yeah i, I just want to say i think you did an incredible job i think thank it was you very well done i i, I applaud you for you for for the job you did on that you, it was it was great and i can imagine it must have been very tiresome at times as well oh yeah um also just what do you wanted to focus on where the i mean i focused on you know my journey and my my son in that january 2020 was in the hospital with um a form of covid and rsv and he um was in a hospital for four days, hooked on a CPAP breathing machine. And that was a real worry where we're like, we, you know, when we didn't know anything about COVID, if my son got it, what would happen to him? So that was like, I was taking a risk going out and doing comedy. I mean, it was outdoors and I know, you know, CDC, it changes every single day, but they were saying outdoors as long as you're wearing a mask. And but that was always in the back of my head. So it shows my journey and shows footage of my son in the hospital and things like that. So I wanted to make it personal. And then also about stand up and people commenting about, you know, shooting a special and people commenting about how they're affected by the pandemic and doing shows in this environment at the Bel Air diner, which was one of the only stages in town. And um, I feel, I felt good about the final edit, but it was a lot of time. And uh, I feel you learn about me, you learn about, our show and you learn about how comedians were dealing with it, which is, you know, what I wanted. And I thought that the personal touch was, it was important because I, I saw that, you know, this wasn't just like, let me get outside and be a comedian, but you were being affected close to home on this and, you know, your, your own child and anybody who's a parent knows how can relate to that, that feeling. And yeah. I understand your son has asthma, right? So 
he was at an mm-hmm. at-risk at population. Yeah, he has uh, onset asthma when he gets sick, and we've been in the emergency room a bunch of times, and uh, it, it's scary. But that was when he was in the hospital, and he was there for four days, IV hooked up to him, where we were on that floor where if he didn't get better, we were going to go to that floor where no parents want to go. So it was very, very scary. And then, I mean, my family actually got, you know, the Omicron strain. And, you know, it was funny. Out of everyone in my family, my son got hit the least, which is just, you know, he was basically asymptomatic, which is crazy. But you don't want to find out. And it was just, just, um, you know, it's been a wild time. And uh, thank God everyone is healthy now. And But I knew comics who, you know, passed away during the pandemic and, you know, it's just a, you know, wild, wild time. And hopefully we never have to visit it again. But, you know, like I said before, just putting a timestamp on it where 20 years from now, you know, my children can watch it and um, anyone else can be like, oh, what was entertainment like that? I don't think there are many documentaries or um, films about um, stand-up comedy during the pandemic and especially the, the way I went about it. So very proud of it. And hopefully people go out and, and, and watch it because 50 minutes and you learn a lot and you could really see what it was like being a comedian that time. And you should be proud, Jay, because not only was comedy shut down, but television shows, Hollywood, they weren't making, oh, yeah. they weren't making films. Uh, and I think that's, what's so incredible about what you did. I don't want to sound like I'm overstating it, but I think there's a level of importance to what you did. We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, every filter is individually tested three times through their process. I've been using their permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks and the picaridin to keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they're likely to have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible, high-quality products that they offer those of us who enjoy the outdoors. I appreciate it. I hope years down the road, people look at you know, things that came out during the pandemic and notice this film and say, you know, wow, um, you know, look at this and, you know, featuring, you know, so many talented New York City comedians and a story to tell and just to show what the mindset of each comic was because it was very unsure. No one knew. I know people were hitting the road during the tail end of that. I shot the special in the, in the beginning of October. And usually when you shoot a special, you get two, three tries out of it. You tape a whole weekend. It was one show and had a pretty nice turnout, you know, 30, 30, 40 people outside, about 25 cars, which was cool. And had, you know, four camera shoot and, you know, did it all gorilla on my own, didn't hire a production company. And, you know, I said, I'm going to, you know, put this all together and I'm going to be able to get it picked up by someone and distributed by someone. And, you know, one of the biggest comedy labels in the world picked it up to distribute it. So uh, it's kind of kind of cool. Do you think that from the pandemic, there's a lot of 
our whole lives have changed and we're never going to go back to the way they used to be. There's as they call it the new normal, but as far as comedy goes, do you think we'll start seeing more outdoor venues uh, from here on out? No, comedy is not meant to, to be done outdoors. You need low ceilings. You need four walls. Common stink. laughs have to be trapped, you know, and it's, I mean, there it was funny because you'd be killing in a set, but the laughs would disappear. Even not doing rooftop shows or park shows, even if you're killing, it's like, you get the laughs and they just disappear into the, into the air. So it's a different rhythm. Um, will there be, you know, shows outdoors sometimes, I guess, possibly. I mean, I know, you know, Burke Kreischer did a whole drive-in tour. Nate Bargatze did a whole drive-in tour. So comedians were doing that, but any comic, if you can be indoors, would take an indoor show over an outdoor show any day of the week. I think, the outdoor shows happen because of the pandemic and comedians are like chameleons. You have to adapt to your surroundings. And if you weren't allowed to go indoors, you were allowed to go indoors and you're a, a big comic like Nate or, or Bert and you're selling out theaters of 5,000 people. Well, you can get 5,000 people at a racetrack. I know Jim Gaffigan did a few outside. So comics were itching to get on stage. I know Comedy Dynamics did a uh, drive-in. They should shot a few specials out in LA at a drive-in movie theater. So a lot of people were doing it because they had to do it. But now I don't think comics would choose to perform outdoors just because that's not the way comedy should be performed. It's more interactive and having the right atmosphere. And you said having the right sound, which as you said, Mm -hmm. four walls, the right ceiling height. That helps the co- it helps the comedian enhance their act, right? It, it, it's got to help you up your up odds of having giving a better show. Oh yeah, it helps everyone. Um, it's just weird outdoors, especially if you're doing stand up outside. And I mean, we're in Astoria. There were you know fire trucks would go by and police cars and motor motorcycles and people comics had to just stop during their set and you have to let. You know, people blaring their music. I mean, we had a time where there was a Mexican restaurant across the way and they were doing live music right in the middle of our show. And I'm just like, hey, bro, like our show is an hour and a half. Do it before. Do it after. We do it one day a week. Can't you choose? And, you know, it it was crazy. And our comics would make fun of it. Like, oh, we're going to compete with the restaurant across the way now. And, you know, those things you can't stop when you're indoors. It's you, the audience, and that is it. There's no other distractions. In the movie, there's a very funny sequence where they're trying to interview people, other comedians, and they'd go to talk, a motorcycle would go by, or Mm -hmm. a fire truck would go by. There was one scene, I think, where somebody might have even been on stage and a subway train was going by. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was a rooftop show I was doing, and the subway was right behind you. So if you didn't stop, the subway would just drown you out. So you had to like stop for the subway to do your jokes. It was, it was crazy what we we're dealing with, but every, like I said before, you want to get on stage, you want to do your craft and you just have to deal with what you're given at each venue. I mean, there were park shows where little kids would be running around and coming on stage and, you know, dancing behind you and, things that you have dogs barking. And I mean, that's what we're willing to deal with uh, during those times just to get up. Because if not, 
you were doing Zoom shows, which I'm not the biggest fan of the Zoom shows, but their Zoom shows are still going on. People are still doing the Zoom shows. It's just a delay and it's hard to connect over a computer screen. I feel like the beauty of stand-up comedy is, you know, connecting with the people and it's hard to connect over a Wi-Fi signal. And some of it's physical. Yeah. Also people are, people have their screens off. So I've done zoom shows where there's 25 people and you, you just see pictures and you don't even see Mm -hmm. people's faces. So you're basically Mm -hmm. performing to a wall and then they have their, 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 they're muted. So you can't even hear a reaction. So you're basically just doing stand up to yourself and you have no timing, no rhythm. You don't even know if you're bombing or doing well, because you can't see how people are reacting. And, um, and then some people run their Zoom shows, right, where you actually, they force people to put their cameras on. They're like, well, if you know you're not going to be camera on, they can't see you. And they would unmute certain people who, you know, weren't. I mean, there are some people who are muted and they're asking like, what do you want for dinner tonight? And you hear that going on. It's like, oh my gosh. So um, there were a few okay Zoom shows, but I choose to do live stand-up, especially now that everything is wide open. There's no more restrictions really. Um, and hopefully everything's on the up and up where you know, this thing will be behind us, be behind us, hopefully by this summer. Let's hope so. Yeah. Hey, where can we go to see you perform? Because I, I really enjoyed your show and I would encourage anybody, if Jay's in your area, go, go see his show. Very funny, very entertaining. Where can we find you? Uh, you can just follow me on Twitter uh, or Instagram. I announce all my shows at jnog, uh, jnog.com. But uh, Instagram, Twitter, at JNog, just follow me on there, and I announce all my shows, and check out Something From Nothing, the special. It's on Amazon, it's on YouTube, it's on Vimeo, it's on most uh, cable platforms. You go to On Demand and type in Something From Nothing, it's on iTunes, so get from everywhere, it's $5 to rent it, and um, yeah, it's part documentary, part stand-up special, and I think everyone will enjoy it. Well, I'm encouraging everyone, all of our listeners to listen, to watch that movie because I just, I watched it and said, okay, this, this is number one, a reminder of what it was like in 2020, even though it was only two years ago, it feels mm-hmm. like sometimes I feel like it was forever ago. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, there's parts of it that are very funny. There's some that are serious, right? You know, yeah, and real, uh, yeah, that are the, they're the reality of what we were living at that time. Mm-hmm. But again, everybody, please check this film out. It won't disappoint you. Um, you know, I hate to guarantee anything, but it won't disappoint you. Jay, best of luck in the future. And thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a fun time and uh, good luck with everything else. And everybody stay healthy out there. And um, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, everybody, make sure you get outside, have some fun and be safe. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please feel free to leave a review. If you found it helpful or useful or just entertaining, let us know. We can be contacted at PapaBearHikes at gmail.com or check us out at PapaBearHikes01 on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Get outside and have a great day. This episode of Papa Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.